Okay, so this is uh, a new podcast that we're doing at Drift. It's called Pipeline uh, because I wanted to bring together sales and marketing together. Sometimes, like today, which I think is pretty cool, sometimes we'll have... Uh, I wanted to try to bring on the sales leader and marketing leader together sometimes. Um, but also we'll have different interviews with like uh, product marketing experts, subject matter experts. So today we have Kate and Don from uh, Validity. Kate, um, Kate and I used to work together. What's up, girl? Good to see you. Uh, and Don is uh, is a CRO at Validity. So before we hop in, and I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, just like let's do a quick intro of like who you are, what your role is at Validity, and, and how you two work together. Go ahead, Kate. Kick us off. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am Kate Adams. I am the SVP of marketing over at Validity. Uh, and uh, I am highly focused on generating pipeline for the business and building uh, a brand that our customers, prospects, uh, employees can all be proud of. Okay, Don, Don, you go. And then I'm going to, I have some questions back to you on both of those things. Hey, yeah. Don Williams, uh, chief revenue officer here at Validity, been with the company since inception back in 2018. And it's been a wild growth just big growth uh, ride since uh, that point and uh, working with Kate uh, now for six months or so. And she's already just knocked it out of the park in that short period of time. And like her, I'm very focused on how do we get more leads in the funnel and how do we close more and, and keep that rocket ship moving. Just when you say, when you talk about marketing, knocking it out of the park, what, what, what has you actually saying that? Cause my guess is it's not, uh, you know, Kate got validity featured in some ink column. Uh, like what, what, what has you saying that for real? What's the, what's the, the truth behind that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, one trying new programs we've never done before. Uh, it may be as simple as not simple, but, uh, releasing a new account based revenue me methodology that we've put out using new tools like Sixth Sense, new, using programs like Facebook that we've never done before. Just all the great new programs that Kate's brought and we've seen, just dramatic increases when you think of uh, high intent leads, uh, people putting in web forms, <clears throat> not web forms, but but filling out uh, uh, a contact us form. Uh, that's just dramatically improved since the case started. Okay, what what's the like? What is? Can you just kind of explain in in regular people terms the business and also like kind of the funnel, like how, how you go from website visitor, just what the what the go to market model is? Yeah, sure. Um, so in lay people terms, our go-to-market model is really all about how do we get somebody um, to understand like the fundamental problems that we can help them solve and then help them understand how we are well suited to solve them and either get them into uh, a trial motion, get them into the product so they can see it themselves and get their hands on it and get their hands dirty or uh, to contact one of our, uh, one of our team members so that we can show it to them and help them understand, one, help them understand the problems that they have today and how they could think about going to solve them and why we're best suited to solve them, right? So um, it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes um, organizations have more of a product-led motion uh, and trying to get them into a trial or a free version, uh, or it's just straight up demo and we're a mix of both. Got it. And is that, I'm just looking, uh, going to the website and stuff. And is that based on um, like company size? Like, do you have like a lower end sales motion and a, and a higher end uh, sales motion? And like, like there's a small business and enterprise motion? Uh, it's both, right? Um, I would say it's less about um, small business versus enterprise. It's more about usage and how big is the problem that you need help solving, um, which I think some organizations, like sometimes that works and those two things go in parallel where it's like, oh, you're a small business, so you have small problems to solve or, oh, you're a big business, so you must have big problems to solve. But I think, uh, and Don, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but we have tons of small businesses that have big problems that they need help solving, that, that have a lot of emails that they need help in verifying or that their email program is a huge component of their business and a huge component of the success of their business. And they need, and that's really important to them and they need help solving that. So it's really about what's the magnitude of your challenge and, and how big is your program. Okay. And when, and when you two look at the, so I'm assuming that there, there's kind of like one 
So one of the things that as I have grown in my career in marketing and, and seen on the sales side is that the, the closer you can just like trim out all of the crap and be like, look, my job as the marketing leader is to deliver revenue to the sales team. Life is, life is easier. Um, I'm just curious to know, like how you have that, how do you, how are you set up from a goals perspective? Like, for example, if you, if you have like a rough ballpark of like the sales and marketing together need to deliver X million in revenue this year, we think that 70% of that is going to come from marketing. 30% is going to come from sales. Can you kind of work backwards from like how you have goals set for the team? Sure. Um, so ultimately we do exactly what you're talking about, Dave, which is like, we come up with what is the revenue target we need to generate. And then we say, what are, what's the path that we believe we can get there to generate it. Um, and Don alluded to this a little bit earlier, but we put in, uh, an account-based revenue motion. Um, some organizations would call that like an account-based marketing motion, but the reason we went with revenue is, is exactly that, right? Like we want to, um, we are one team. Uh, and it's not a mistake that sales and marketing are joined together in Don's organization, right? Like I have the privilege of working for Don. And so we're unified in that motion of like, there is one team and one team that generates revenue here. And we're all unified in that way. Um, and so I was going to ask about that. Can we talk about that candidly for a second? Like yeah. what it, what, what is, uh, you know, what is it like having the sales and marketing orgs kind of aligned under, under CRO? Don, was that like a, was that a thought like before bringing it, before Kate joined was, was like, were you trying to bring marketing under that revenue umbrella? Yeah, definitely wanted to do that and, and really to get our goals really aligned. It's, it's not just inquiries. It's how do I get those into meetings and get that in the funnel? And then in between marketing and, and the sales exec is a whole nother group of, of sales development uh, professionals that are out there trying to prosecute all the leads that Kate's bringing in and then moving that to a meeting who then moves that into the pipe. We, we meet weekly between marketing and the sales development team. And then we meet weekly between the sales development team and the AE to, to ensure everything's flowing through. And, and it's all about how do we increase more revenue, not about just how many things we're doing. It's what are we doing? How do we fix it? Constant inspection and, and looking at everything that needs to happen. It's, it's, it's so silly because I think that's so much of the, so much of the sales and marketing problems that we create in, in, and I'm, you know, people that listen to this are B2B sales and marketing people. It's, it's so much internal. They are internal battles. They are internal challenges over, uh, lead scoring attribution, the quality of this, the quality, it really is like the, the playbook for marketing is not that complicated, right? Kate, you had a great explanation in the beginning. It's like, get people to know about us, get people to know we can solve their problem. But we, there's so much misalignment. And I, I realized like, as a marketer myself, if I, I have never worked for the CRO, but if I don't know how the sales leader is comped and how that org is set up from the beginning, it's really hard to, to get along. And like so much of that is internal, like, oh, wow. Uh, like I, I, I had a, uh, I was working with a sales, a sales leader once and we were completely gold on different things. And I, I didn't know about that. I, his bonus was based on X, mine was based on Y, and it sounds silly, but that, that is one of the reasons for fundamental misalignment. So like what I love about this model and, and hearing that you, you both are kind of aligned under revenue is like, we talk so much, how much content do you see on LinkedIn about marketing must be about revenue? No kidding, right? <laughs> but it doesn't actually work if we're saying that as a company, the CEO sets a goal, our goal is to grow to this, this much next year. The revenue goal is this, we expect this much from sales, this much from marketing. It's insane how many companies, how many marketers that are probably listening to this don't actually know those, know those goals. Like from there, then you can sit down together and say, okay, here's what I can contribute. Oh, here, I'm gonna build a plan to do this. Go ahead, Kate. I think one of the core problems that like you nailed it, right? It's, it's all internal. And a lot of the conflict is around whose fault is it? <laughs> whose fault <laughs> is it? Right. And the number. And so right. like that is ultimately what so much of that conflict is around as opposed to, we don't really have those. We don't have very many of those conversations at validity. Cause it's like, 
Well, ultimately, it's Don's fault all the time. <laughs> you put the finger at me. That's right. Um, but it's I like, think- yeah, talk, talk to Don. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to run this. Time. Talk to Don. I think ultimately, it's it's really like the the thing is, it's like it's nobody's fault. It's just how are we gonna get to the number? Like these, yeah. are, this is what's actually happening. How? What are we gonna do to change it? What are the levers that we're gonna pull to fix it? Yeah. I found that um, I think that's a great that's a great point. And also beyond that, the thing that I've had a hard time doing is re- you have to realize it's also not only on sales and marketing to do, like revenue by principle. Like there has to be product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there has to be some type of a customer motion where we sell more to existing customers or keep them happier. And I think that. Um, it's easy to, Kate, like I remember when, when we were working together, you know, you and I had some like very candid conversations. And one of them was like, one time you, you know, beating your hand on the table, not literally, but like demand gen, we had a conversation like demand gen doesn't own revenue. The whole freaking thing, the whole organism owns revenue. This is one piece of it. Uh, and I think that like, you have to be able to figure out what, what's unique about YouTube being aligned is Kate and Don, you have to find how you're going to drive revenue as an organization. And you, you're the ones at the table. Like how, Don, how do you, how does product fit into this? How does, how do the other motions beyond the sales and marketing team? And and how do you and Kate like go and influence those things? Yeah. When you you think about product engineering, uh, you know, it all starts really at the beginning of the year. We're about to start our new budgeting process. So we're going to go to product and ask them, what, what are you putting out? What are the things that we can put revenue around? And, and then build that into the plan. Uh, the great news is the team is uh, building out year in advance uh, roadmaps that we can hang our hats on and, and tie some revenue to. Uh, so that's a really important part of, of how we're gonna make our number next year. I think the other Kate, thing is like- What about you? you yeah, go ahead. You look at today, right? To, um, and maybe this is not great because it'll show the date of this podcast, but as of today, right, iOS 15 is coming out and a huge component of our business is tied to email, email marketing and helping email marketers run better email marketing programs. Uh, iOS 15 has a component of mailbox privacy pr- protection in it that is going to change the way that marketers measure the effectiveness of their email program. And so we had to really work very closely with the product organization to say, how are we going to meet the needs of the market? What are we going to, what are we delivering? This is a huge opportunity for us to step up and educate the market on what MPP is and how they should actually move forward and measure their email marketing programs. We're able to capitalize on that because we have strong partnerships with the product organization and said, like, what are you going to deliver? This isn't enough. Like, help us. We need more right? We need more. The, the market needs more. These marketers need better, better help. Like you, we are well suited to do that. What are we building in support of that? And so products step up and, and they stepped up and now marketing is amplifying it and sales is going to meet uh, all of those folks where they are to really show off the amazing stuff that product just built. But you, I mean, you're hundred percent right on, right? It's the whole organism. It's not sales and marketing that that are at the forefront like we are all going to meet who are not meet that revenue number together yeah and i think i think this is one of the things that i've changed my mind on as a marketing person in this revenue world is the importance of like a strong ops and analytics foundation kate you'll probably giggle at that but um, because what I've learned now is like, that's not actually for marketing. That's to drive the whole organization. And so like when you can go to the rest of the leadership team as, as sales and marketing and present the data about, uh, these types of customers, what's working, what's not, and, and have actually everybody believe in that data and have that data be accurate. Uh, that's how you can then go drive those decisions. I think where a lot of marketers struggle is like, if you don't have that actual, you know, data from the revenue side, it, it's tough to go and drive the, the, the roadmap. Um, can you, can you give us like, obviously you don't have to share the confidential numbers and stuff, but like, can you tell us what, what is on your score? What, what's on the revenue scorecard done? Like what are the five or six or, or how, you tell me what's on it? 
Yeah, the, the things I look at, Kate, look at, you know, one is just volume of in, in the beginning, uh, inquiries, high intent inquiries. Uh, what, what we call as SAO is an initial meeting and SQO being a uh, the movement into the pipe. So the, the rep now has accepted it at stage two. It's in the pipe. And then between all of those are conversion rates, the conversion rate to MQL, MQL just being what a sales development person gets, then conversion rate between that to stage one to stage two and on up the funnel uh, so that you're getting a feel for, okay, is it something wrong with the inquiries or is there something uh, in sales development where we're not completing things that we need to, or is it in sales where we're not booking now for some reason? So we're really focused from that. And then in the end, it all comes to how much you've won and how many deals you've won. And then the, the average sales price that we're selling it at, are we underselling and the discount percentages that, that we may be throwing in there. So holistically, we're, we're looking at all these metrics across. We have a really strong analytics team here and it's, it's nice not having to wait on a spreadsheet for somebody to send it to you and then you can finally get a look at it. I can just go pull it up uh, pretty quickly. And uh, Kate's right now rounding out all of our marketing metrics and, and the analytical components there. What are the, um, Kate, I, I want to come back to the funnel. I have a funnel question for you, but Don, while we're talking about the, you kind of, you kind of laid out the funnel from, from meeting on down. Um, what are, what are some of the biggest drivers that you've seen to actually move those numbers? Cause I think a lot of marketers talk about like, you know, working more kind of bottom of the funnel. Like a lot of marketing is very top of the funnel heavy, like get to get to lead or get to meeting, but then we kind of, you know, we're, we're just running more programs to get more leads, get more meetings. Um, how do you actually move the needle? And you mentioned SDRs. If you could talk about like the, that organization and, and how they fit in the funnel. Um, but what are the actual things that you can, as a CRO, pull a lever on to improve the conversion rates there? Because I think a lot, of it, a lot of times in my world, I, I see like, well, the sales team needs another deck or we need this one pager. And it's rarely those things that move the needle. So how do you, how do you accelerate those stages of the funnel? Yeah, I, I can take you back to 2018 when we hired 45 sales reps just right off the bat. We did not hire SDRs. We started with the sales team building a pipe because there was no pipe in the beginning. We were basically rolling everything out. And what we were seeing was uh, reps having to cold call, having to close deals and taking account with our reps are closing eight deals a month each. So uh, from that standpoint, that's a lot of deals you're managing, you're trying to find. So later we found we needed to add SDRs to be able to go out qualify all that those inquiries coming in and then getting that to the rep and setting a meeting so that uh, they can focus on closing those deals that helped increase our close rate there uh, and then uh, then you need to also make sure then once you've got your uh, sales development guys you know now we split them into inbound and outbound you know focusing on the leads that are coming in but also going after the types of leads that we want to go after, which increases your ASP because you're focusing on accounts that are bigger versus maybe just something that's coming in for, from that perspective. And then all that you filter down to enablement. When you think about the sales rep and Kate mentioning the, the changes with Apple, we'll have a meeting today and we're going to walk through all our sales reps, what that means and constantly training and uh, changing our messaging uh, and just monitoring that. So all the way through that, that's a big help. Who, who, uh, what, who technically owns the SDRs? Uh, we have a VP that runs that group that reports into me as well. Got it. And Kate, like typically the sticking point in any funnel at any company is lead follow-up. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's, what's the deal with lead follow-up at, at Validity? Yeah, so we... Um... Sales reps are the best. It's 100%. In 10 Probably seconds. <laughs> All the time, yeah. um, no, we are constantly inspecting that. So Don mentioned earlier how we have a, a meeting. So there's one meeting between marketing and SDR management where we're looking at, hey, what did marketing drive? What are the types of things that are driving them? And what are, how are we generating these leads? And then we look at, great, okay, now that's what we did. Let's talk about how we followed up with them. And so we are, we built out a dashboard that says, how quickly are, what is our speed to account? How quickly are we getting to them? Great, once we get to them, how many touches are you putting on them? We have a 13 touch cadence that uh, the team is held accountable to working through. Like one of the things that we were just looking at is like 30% of our recycled inquiries only get through step one, two, or three. 
like, why is that? What are, how, how are we uh, managing that? Like, what is ultimately that reason? I think one of the things is like, look, we t- we've talked about a lot of numbers and we've talked about them at a really high level. So how do you go from sales accepted opportunity to sales qualified opportunity? But the reality is the devil's in the details all the time. And so then we have another meeting between sales accepted opportunity and sales qualified opportunity every week where the sales leaders sit down with SDR leadership and we say, these are the deals that did not make it through sales accepted opportunity to sales qualified opportunity. Let's talk about why. In order to move from one stage to the other, you have to have three criteria. We call it TIN, timing, influence, and need, right? If we have identified all three things on those calls, like why is this not a qualified opportunity? And and so the sales leaders listen to the calls and questions. The SDR managers listen to the calls and questions and dig in there. I have a question. Yeah. Can you go so so that that meeting is about all of the people that had an initial call? Yep. Okay. Got it. So 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 I mean it, it's pretty reasonable to be pretty hands-on on that because if you take my view, which is like who in who the hell is booking a 30-minute meeting with a sales rep in today's world? I don't have the time for that. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I'm like, you got on the phone with us and we're not qualifying you, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh meeting to have. What is the what what's a goal for conversion rate of at that stage? Uh our goal is uh 60%. Uh, yeah. That feels that feels probably pretty right. There's enough uh, enough buffer in there. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the first time you've had like individual funnel stage meetings? Uh, no, We're, I've done them at. I mean, Dave, you know, I'm kind of a data geek, which is why it makes me giggle that you now find yourself uh, certainly not a data geek. I would imagine, but into data, um, but. I'm 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 into reading the data. I'm not into finding the data. Yes. Yeah. I would say actually to that point, um, and Don mentioned it earlier about how we have a really strong analytics team. That is uh, ultimately a game changer for us. All of our data comes from that analytics team, and what I have, what I've been able to train the team on over the last six months on, is if it's not in the analytics dashboard, it didn't happen. So don't pull some rando report for me and tell me about this thing. Like if it's not an analytics, it didn't happen. So why isn't it an analytics and we're not wired up correctly? Because if if we can't see it in there, that means sales isn't seeing it. That means sales sales development's not seeing it. Like those are all that's the core component that we have to have on, uh, you know, to to tie off on all the data points. Yeah. All, all the okay, so all the thing is interesting because all the things that we've talked about so far are all like there's no, there's no there there's no like campaign tactic. This is all like in the funnel things, and I think that this is why I did a podcast maybe about a year ago with Bill Masitis, who was the CMO at, at at Slack, and he was like, "I hate the role. I I, th- I hate the word demand gen because like demand gen. There there should be no demand gen team because demand gen is everybody's job, mm-hmm. and I think that I totally I totally agree with that sentiment, and I think that you're this conversation is a good example of that because think about how much goes into just that stage of the funnel. If you are just, if you are a demand gen person, you, you think that all, all the job is, is run AdWords. That, that's not, that is not demand gen. That's a top of the funnel kind of lead gen activity that that's a channel, but like somebody has to be in there as a marketer, you have to be in there in the funnel with the, with the sales team. That's what a revenue partnership looks like. It's all stages of the funnel. Okay this is a sales thing. Sales is going to go fix that. Okay. This is a marketing thing. Marketing is, is going to fix that. Um, Don, how do you drive that like collaboration day to day? Because ultimately, even though you're on the same team, you still are saying like, this is a sales thing. This is broken. You all got to go fix that. Yeah. I mean, well, first it does start with the analytics, you know, defining the problem or at least what we think might be the problem. And then uh, and in many times you don't know if it's uh, it, it, which group it falls in. You know, it's it's we're we're converting less. Why? What are we doing? Uh, so we pull the team together, and and I think uh, our, our sales leaders probably aren't the normal sales leaders. We're very analytical. I mean, fun to me is digging through a spreadsheet and finding the problem. Uh, that's not probably most CROs will say that. 
but uh, so are the, the managers I have as well, too. They, they typically are want to get in there and dig. So uh, it's, it's all about the data. Go find the problem, and, uh, work with the team to, to resolve it. Kate, if, if somebody was listening and they were like, I want to dig, I want to become more of a pipeline focused marketer. That's a, that's a high level question, but like, where, where would you, where would you start? Like, where would you take that from this conversation? So the question is they want to become a high level, what marketer? No, like, uh, how do you become more of a pipeline focused marketer? Right? Because I think it's easy to hear us talk about this, but then you're going to go back to your job as the content manager and just go write six more blog posts next week. Uh, and that's kind of like the, that's kind of just the standard motion that a lot of teams fall into. Yeah. So my, my first thing, our first principle in terms of the culture of the marketing team that we have here is that we are all accountable to the revenue number. Um, so amen to the, what the CMO at Slack said. Uh, and in fact, uh, I've been at too many organizations where I've, I've been like, Hey, I lead up demand gen. And then that just meant like, I got every single marketing question that ever was about it. And, and that I was the one measure for how marketing works for the whole organization. It was like, man, that is heavy. <laughs> My shoulders are broad, but I don't know if they're broad enough. Right. And so, um, I think ultimately, um, if I, if that's what I want to do as I'm interviewing into marketing teams, I want to know how's your marketing team measured for success? How do you measure your marketing team? for success so that I know what I'm doing is right. And so because that's one of our founding uh, cultural principles on our marketing team here, in all of our interviews, which we're hiring for nine different marketing roles right now on the team, in all of our interviews, we're talking about how are you measured for success in your past role? How do you, how do you tie up with the sales team to know that the content you're creating was effective? How do you know what good looks like in the work that you do? And that's in uh, product marketing roles, that's in content marketing, that's in social media marketing, that's in every single marketing discipline. Because ultimately, one of the things that, you know, everybody's talking about the great resignation these days, and I think one of the core reasons for that is people are saying, what in the world am I doing every day and for what? In service to what? Like, what impact have I had, right? Like, the pandemic has made us somewhat existential in that way of like, what am I sitting in this in this office in Vermont or Milton or Tampa for every single day pining away over my computer? And it's like, if it's just so that like, because so I can say I published two blog posts this week, it's not good enough, right? And so like, no, I want to know I'm creating content that is helping my sales team close deals so that in whatever Slack channel you have, where you post the sales deals every week and every company has one, you know that you had a, a component of that deal is because of something that you did yesterday, right? Or six months ago or however long it was. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you on all that. I just think I, I hear you 100%. That's how it should be. The hard part is when you show up to work in marketing, you just get asked to do more things and more things and more things. And so all of a sudden, like we've written five blog posts a week for two years. Now we posted stuff on social, like, and so I'll get my way to a question, but I, that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is like, there are, you do need to do non revenue things in order to, to, to be a revenue driver. And so like, I think that the thing that I, I have a hard time articulating and I, and I think that the marketing world is trying to sort its way through right now is like, you still have to do those things. And so like, should the point of this podcast for should, is the point of this podcast at drift to build pipeline? Not, not really. It's to build awareness and hopefully more people will listen. And if we can help people get smarter, they'll have a strong affinity for drift. Right. And so I think some channels need to be, the goal needs to simply be explained like that, where like that can pass the sniff test of why, we're, of why we're doing it. Um, but I think where a lot of teams struggle is like the, the delineation between those things, like how much of our work should be focused on direct response revenues type stuff and how much of it should be doing some of the uh, other stuff. Like, cause I, I know you, I know you're doing that. How do you, how do you bake that into the, the, the plan or the activity plan? For better or for worse. One of the things that I've done and 
it's it was it's difficult for me right because i am the direct response person i'm the the yin to yang i think well, let, me, let me let me ask this differently how do you measure how do you measure content for example at validity uh we measure it in terms of the number of visits that it gets and the amount of engagement that it gets on our website how do you and, and how do you measure like what is engagement so um it depends on the the type of content we're creating so for us, if we're creating an ebook, engagement is pretty straightforward. How many people are consuming it? How many people are downloading it? How many people are consuming it? How many people are reading it? Um, if it's a blog post, we're looking at Google Analytics data and getting into like, what are the visits that are driven to it? And to your point, I think you're asking a little bit of a different question, which is like, how do I know where to put my money when my attribution model isn't good enough? Yes. To understand where. Yeah, because. That, that 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 is that that's a good good translation. Thank you. Because yeah, like it, even in that example, right? Don just ten minutes ago talked about the funnel, which starts at SAO, right? Are you me- are you measuring? Okay, that ebook create that ebook funnel. A thousand people signed up for the ebook. Uh, fifteen of them became SAOs. We should go do another ebook if we want fifteen SAOs. Are, are are like is that what you're doing? That is what we're doing. For real, that is Great. really what we're doing. And so, Great. and our funnel starts at inquiry, right? Or uh, it goes inquiry to MQL to SAO. So we are looking at like, okay, great, we got fifteen hundred people to consume that ebook, and uh, we look at it a little bit differently in terms of it's not like, oh, okay, of those fifteen hundred people, like ten of them turned into a sales accepted opportunity or booked a meeting. Right. We say like, we know. There's going to be like 10 touch points before somebody gets to a meeting. So the attribution model we're rolling out would would assume looks at all of those touch points, including like even where they were before they even became like, what was your first anonymous visit to our website? I mean, there's it. technologies out there that can tie that in. Got it. So, 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 the, so if you have the goal is like, if everything is instrumented correctly, mm-hmm. you would be able to say that. This customer bought. Obviously, the buyer's journey is not linear, and so it, it's not, there's not one thing. But on the way to purchase, they read three articles on our website. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And the other thing is, you, you said this. This. Podcast. How do you measure that? Wait. Before. Before. How do you? What do you? What do you use to do that? Visible. Visible is the attribution tool. There's a bunch in the market, but Visible, which is an Adobe product, which it, it helps us measure that. Cool. And so, so, so through visible, you can, so the content team doesn't have to be measured on output. Obviously there's, there's organic traffic. And so there's SEO output probably that you got to just kind of crank yeah. through, but yeah. the content team can actually know out of the hundred customers we closed last night, last, last month, 70% of them had content influence on them. And that, yeah. that's a good enough feeling to keep investing in content. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. I'm glad we talked through that. I think that'll be helpful for people. What what, what else were you going to say? Uh, not only, I, I think not only content influence, but like, w- was that kind of, did that content come from an email? Did it come from organic? What was the channel? Content is the author, right? What was the channel that drove it so that we can also know Hey, we got to double down on our investment on or, or creating organic content because that's really paying off for us here. Like that's driving a ton of our deals for the first touch, right? Yeah, yeah. that's really important. Cool. Okay, that was a good a good funnel session. Um, hey, Don, on the on the more on the sales and revenue side of things, mm-hmm. what what do you think has changed in the last maybe decade or so? Uh from a buying experience perspective and how have you, how is a, like, um, what does a sales organization need to look and feel like? Because like today you can't just kind of brute force someone into, into a sale. All of your information is online. People are reading reviews. They're listening to podcasts. Your pricing is out there. They're, they're not just shopping for validity. They are, they are looking for two or three other things and they might pick you. Like how is your, how has your sales motion evolved uh, in that world? If I go back 10 years, there was many of the meetings were on site and not necessarily over the phone and and over, especially in the last few years, who goes on site anymore? It's all electronic. When we set up validity, everything was in the cloud. All the tools we bought, everything that we did was in the cloud. 
so that someone could work from home or, or work on the road or, or, or uh, work in the office. Um, so just the, the motion there, people, their buying habits changed in that uh, instead of wanting to talk to a rep, they want to self-educate. They want to go to the sites, get the information themselves and be able to consume it and move through. So the sales rep needs to be prepared to pick up where that customer is or that prospect is and, and move from that standpoint. So really it's the, the, the transition from people on the road to, to being in offices uh, focused on not just uh, what's coming inbound or working their deals, but also going outbound. And now with uh, the newer stuff with account-based revenue, account-based uh, marketing, uh, using intent data to be able to see these people went and searched for our types of products and then getting that data and did they influence, were they touched, did they touch any other content and then all that together uh, they're a target account, great, let's go after them. Uh, or they're a volume account and we'll kind of work it from that standpoint. So that new motion, especially the uh, account-based revenue motion where you have a, an SDR and a AE tied at the hip working together and they choose, okay, these are accounts that we could consider target. We're gonna go after those from an outbound perspective, uh, but we wanna wait until they show intent. And then uh, marketing's uh, also focused on uh, working those same accounts in addition to all the volume stuff coming in, but uh, that special focus on target has become really important. That's been a big change for us as well. And uh, are the SDRs doing both, in, they do both inbound qualification and then outbound target accounts? Yeah, we have two types of SDRs, uh, both do inbound outbound, but one is a volume SDR. So that's just all the, anybody who's not a target account, the volume guys are gonna, are gonna work all the other stuff coming in to qualify that. Then the target guys who are the ones actually focused on those thousand accounts say, uh, they're going in and, and taking that volume coming in and, and working those accounts. Uh, on the, I, I like what you said about the sales team being able to, something like about the sales team being able to adjust based on where the customer is coming in in the buying journey. Because I think that like on the, on the one side, we want to enforce an approach that's repeatable on the sales side, but not to the extent that it hampers the, the buying process. Like, right. and I think there's a lot of silly kind of old school things that, that get in the way there. And I think the biggest change seems to have been your sales team needs to be able to help and educate people today. It's not enough to just be an order in order taker. You have to know the product. You have to know the industry. Um, how do you, how do you, it's a hard, how do you do that? Then I'm going to ask this in a very blunt way, which I think one of the hardest things in this industry is you have to take a 23 year old SDR and try to get them up to speed on something that, you know, you've mastered maybe now over 20 years in, in tech, <laughs> Uh, how do you, how do you do that? Or, or, and, and maybe, maybe not, not how do you do that, but like, yeah. how do you, how do you make that person credible enough to reach out to a decision maker and to have a conversation? Like well, I can go back to when we started, one of the first hires was a great trainer uh, that we have uh, a great sales enablement person. Uh, so in taking account, everybody can't be an expert or a SME, but uh, I can get them uh, where they're they're smart enough to be able to do a demo, smart enough to be able to talk our core points that we want to do. But that starts with training, and uh, you know, from a 12-week training program uh, to uh, just ongoing continuous training, keeping people smart on the topics of the day, uh, and, and working from there. Uh, otherwise, like you said, it, it, these are guys, kids right out of college. They got to learn what email is. They got to learn about data management. What, why is it important? And then they, they need to be able to tell those stories, to help clients understand why this is important to them. Uh, so it all starts right there. So uh, that's what we've been able to do. I didn't know if Kate was going to say something about training, um, but that's okay. I think training one. I think training super important. I think I think Don hit it on on the head. I think there the change that's happening in um, purchasing is all about trust, uh, and I believe it right. And in turn, in what I believe to be, uh, you get eight thousand plus tools in the Martech landscape. Like I'm saying this as a buyer, not as a not as a marketer or a or a seller. Yeah. I don't want to do business with anybody who who I can sense or I can sniff out is like going to take my monthly payment and never speak to me again. Until right, like I, me. Until That's what I would do to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until 10 months from now, right? Like I 
want to know that you're an expert in your field, that your team gets it, and that I'm not going to have to do a lot of work to make your tool work for me. Yeah. Like I've just been burned by too much of it. And like, I think we're at this point now where like, you know, Benioff's dream of SaaS is a reality. And Benioff. Like, yeah. And now everybody, everybody in the whole world, like including the company I buy socks from is trying to get to recurring revenue model. Well, and you're then, paying too much for Bombas. That's your own fault. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think so. So I, I got, I, I was thinking about what you both were saying and I, and I was going to say like one of the, um, one of the recommendations that I make to like startups, this is, I think this will apply here about, um, social media is to make your company the expert. And I think that that is one thing that helps kind of foolproof this process a little bit. You're not saying, I think the training needs to be like, we're not saying that you, Kate, 23 year old Kate have to be the expert, but what we want you to do is you're, you're like the tour guide for our company. Mm -hmm. Our company is the expert in this space. And I'm reaching out because my company has XYZ proof, XYZ credibility, this data, we've done an assessment on your website and we noticed this and I'm reaching out on behalf of them. I think like, I think the number one strategy in B2B sales and marketing, no matter what you're doing is to be, is to, is to become the expert in, in your niche, right? And, and people are going to turn to validity because they think that you're the expert in, in, in what you do. And people are going to turn to drift because they think that drift is the expert in sales and marketing or whatever. And that's the opportunity. So to build the content machine and product marketing efforts around that, I think that sets you up for an advantage. That's how everybody can feel involved in the funnel. Um, Don, you mentioned intent data, which is the hottest buzzword. It's a, maybe hotter than hotter than ABM in, in 2017, uh, intent data. I, I don't even, I have no idea what that means. Uh, and I'm not being a troll. I would love to hear from a CRO Explain to me the hype of intent data and should I buy into it? So let's take uh, G2 Crowd. Somebody goes, searches for demand tools, uh, which is one of our products, and uh, we get a notification that somebody from this company, I may not know who it is, but somebody from some company is looking at your product. We get that signal that then we go and match up as best we can to the company and an SDR, say it's an enterprise company, along with an AE are trying to source five contacts that who they think that person might be and begin trying to do some form of marketing to them. Got it. Now, I add that signal into say a Google search that comes in and six cents picks that up. And then somehow we then see they visit our website and saw one piece of content and you start putting all these puzzle pieces together and it just gives us signals of where we should market versus an SDR going out and saying, here's a list of a hundred accounts. I'm just going to start calling. And I hopefully will get one. Why not start where someone is already looking? And that's what it's all about. Right. So, so six cents is the thing that marries that all together. And and does it also? Can you also like put your website into that piece of the puzzle? Because G two is a sign of intent, yes. But so is spending. You know, ten coming to my website ten times and then finally doing something. Is that? Can you can you stitch that all in? We see it all together there okay. for sure. And then, do you build some type of like? In, is there like an intent model or scoring system based on that? I'll let Kate talk to that one. That's what Sixth Sense built for us. Okay. Like that's the true value of. I just had this conversation with somebody else uh, the other day, where it was like, um, they thought, "Oh, didn't you buy Sixth Sense for advertising?" I was like, "I bought Sixth Sense for pretty much everything but advertising. I built, I bought Sixth Sense so that they could provide me more insights onto what was happening within my accounts." And so that they could then marry my first party data uh, to that third party data. And so that I could show my entire revenue team all of the activities that were happening uh, in that account so that marketing could do what they needed to do and sales could do what they needed to do and sales development could do what they needed to do. And so can you can say this is my list of target accounts. Show me everything. What other sources do they have besides G2? Their own um, proprietary, so they have G2 by way of an integration, but then they have uh, their own, they're, they're sitting on top of a network of sites uh, and they've tagged all these articles that people are reading and consuming with different topics. And so that's where they're able to say, oh, somebody over at Drift is reading about data quality. 
And I can say, great, if you're reading about data quality, you probably have an interest in demand tools uh, because that's the tool that fixes the quality and, of your data. And, and that could be somebody that is, that could be a, a cold account and that could be a signal to reach out or it could be someone who's already in your funnel in some way. Yeah, that's way too early to reach out. I wouldn't have somebody reach out on, on just that one signal, but I'd look at that signal and say, oh, they're reading an article tagged as data quality. They came to our website and again, could be completely anonymous, but somebody from that account came to our website and oh, by the way, like somebody else actually attended a webinar three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Time to go. Like time to, time to look at these folks. How, how do you, how do you manage the, like how much influence do you have on the marketing side on the, on the outbound there? Because I think that data is great to have. But I be, like I think that the seat the, the key to booking a meeting is not that intent data. It's the what you say with it. Like that's an amazing tool. But if I just reach out and say, "Hello, it's Dave. Would you like to buy now?" Or that th- you still have to be able like you have to be able to tie it together. And so like, how do you how do you system uh, systematically come up with like this is what we do for for outbound or this is what we send like is is that a is that a campaign like is that something that you work on or like everybody can just do say whatever they want no we we work on that and so what we do is we create structured cadences that 13 step cadence that 13 step cadence that i alluded to before is really built on uh it's it's built on messaging that we have belabored against time and time again now, that being said, like I still need a thinking human being on the other side because those cadences I pull I we build pieces in of like here's how you can personalize this. Hey, yeah. go look at their le- recent LinkedIn post. Is there something that resonates there? Go look at a recent piece of content that their company released. Is there something that you could uh talk about there? Is it is it it's not automated the content you have to actually send? Uh it is it cues it up for you, but you need to personalize it. And right. you have to actually hit, hit go. You have yeah, to hit good. go. Okay. I think that's such a underrated topic is like the, <laughs> unfortunately the, the, the message, yeah. like show me all the intent date in the world, but like, what are you going to, what are you going to say? Uh, and also if you're, if you have 13 touches, I think one of the biggest mistakes that at least I get a ton of like, you get it too. You all get it too. Like in, inbound from vendors. Yeah you don't have to shoot your best shot in your, in your first email. Like I think that the goal, the goal of that e- of an email should be to get a response. The goal should be to get a response back, not hello, Dave, as a CMO, you, you, you know, that prioritize all like, Hey Dave, is there a reason that you don't blank? That's a email that I'm going to most likely respond back to. Or like, Hey Dave, did you know that two of your, two of your competitors have doubled their conversion rate because they're doing blank? Mm-hmm question not i think we so often try to like i'm doing outbound to done okay here it goes i gotta i gotta say my company pitch i gotta propose the time slots that i'm i got to available that i'm available i gotta propose an option you know you don't have to do any of that that is the point of the cadence of having multiple touches is to like what's going to be the thing to get somebody to respond and I, i saw somebody post this in my like facebook group the other day but i i totally agree with it which is as a buyer i you don't know that oh it was the 11th touch that I finally responded to and took a meeting. Like, no, if it's interesting and relevant, you're not, you're not thinking about it and half the time you're not noticing all of the other touches. Yeah, hundred percent. And I will, I will actually let somebody's cadence play through to understand to before I'm really interested. Right. And before I actually will give them a response, I'll be like, <laughs> Okay, what problem do you say you can help me solve today, and which one are you going to help me solve tomorrow? And okay, now, 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 let's clip clip that, and then go to the point where go to the part where here's the opportunity to improve the validity funnel. The sales team is only getting past the third step in the cadence. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. This is this is how people buy. I think like having understanding how people buy is such an important part of the sales and marketing funnel that it's not like, hey, we're not we're not asking you to hit somebody up 13 times because we want to drive a tight ship here and we want to operationalize. It's because that's what works. Because probably the the chances that, you know, the chances probably kind of follow some curve of response, right? It's like it's like frequency with advertising. And so you gotta be able to hit them up. 10, 10, 13 times. A hundred percent. And, but like, and to that point, 
I think so many marketers are focused on the stories that they're telling externally. What story am I going to go tell to this prospect? What's our brand story? What's this story? What, what story am I going to tell to the CRO in this pitch? All those things. What stories are you telling internally? I can't just go to the SDR leadership and say, you only touched them two times. Like, what's the deal? I have to go and say, hey, guys, look, when we book a meeting, we actually most often do it. We get a response. Our most responded to email is email eight. And so we only got to one, two, and three. Like, how are we going to do this better? This is the reason why. Is that that true? Is that an actual stat or did you make that up? No, I made that up. Uh, I don't know what the the number is. I was going to tweet that out as a benchmark. (laughs) We Um, have them. (laughs) Yeah. 15 touches, sales team. Get after it. Uh, You made me think of, so one of the, I think one of the best books on sales and marketing, copywriting, business is Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. Uh, And he talks about, this is, I think this book was written in like the, I don't know, 60s maybe. He talks about stages of awareness. And I think this is a big thing that we don't have enough in sales and marketing is like understanding, like not everyone is going to have a different stage of awareness. He has five, most aware. Those are your best customers. They're brand loyal. They like your products. They attend your events. They know who you are. The next one is product aware. They know your product, but they haven't bought it yet. So they know of validity. They know of drift, but they haven't bought it yet. There might, so, so, okay, that's, that's a different conversation than you don't know who we are, right? Solution aware is solution aware. They know solutions like yours exist, but they don't know that you're the one for them. Problem aware is they at least know they have this problem. And then unaware is you don't even, Dave, you don't even know that you smell. And so selling me deodorant is not the right, the, 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 not the right tool at, at that moment in time. And I think like, Man, being able to sit down and map those out as a revenue team are, is really valuable to think about the the buying journey. What are we going to do and say to everybody? Um, okay, we got to wrap because you all have like actual jobs to do. I just get to do this podcast and stuff. Uh, so Kate and Don, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Appreciate you. I appreciate you both. Um, thank you.